My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. Everyone say advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. For he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. There's two concepts, two words I need you to understand before we jump back into the letter that Paul wrote to the, the church in Galatia. Here it is, that Jesus is our advocate. Again, say advocate. That Jesus is our advocate, but also number two, that Jesus is the propitiation. Can you say that? Yeah, some of you just made it up. That's good. All right. I'm not sure if I'm saying it right, to be honest with you. <laughs> that Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. What does that mean? That's a lot. Here we go. Advocate. Here's the crazy thing. When we sin, Jesus stands before the Father like an attorney who pleads our case. Is that good news? When we sin, Jesus stands before the Father like an attorney who pleads our case, represents our interests. Advocate, if you break that word down, advocate, to add a voice. Think about this. So Jesus didn't just die for your sins just down the cross. No, when you sin now, he's pleading your case. That means with Jesus' work isn't just past tense, it's present and what? Future. Tim, how do you know that Christ died and forgives me of all my, uh, my, my, my sins, not just now, but forever? Well, when did he die? He died before you were born, right? Unless some of you Abraham or something, right? So he didn't just die on the cross, but when we sin, let's see, let's see who's honest. Who's, uh, who, who still sins? Anyone? I, I know I do, right? There we go. Liars, keep your hand down. Okay. Um, <laughs> We still sin, so we still need an advocate, and Jesus is a beautiful advocate. Listen to this, Romans 8, 31 says this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, finish it, who can be against us? Verse 32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously, freely give us all things? Verse 33, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who what? who justifies. So y'all see this advocate language? Verse 34, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that was raised, who's at the right hand of God, who what? Indeed is interceding for who? For us, for us. Some of you, you're walking and answer prayers that you never prayed, but that Jesus has prayed on your behalf. You have an advocate, you have a savior who's actually busy. He's not just sitting at the right hand of the father like, man, I just can't wait for y'all to get up here. No, no, no. He's praying right now. He is our high priest, taking our case before the father right now. So the question becomes, what qualifies Jesus to be our advocate before the father? Well, here's the answer, we read it together. Jesus is our advocate when we sin because he is the propitiation for our sins. Now, I had to Google that word, so let me tell you what it means, okay? Propitiation, a sacrifice which satisfies the just wrath of God for sin. Break this down a little bit more. Jesus' death removed the wrath of God against us. Amen. Amen. Jesus' death removed the wrath of God against us, right? Jesus was our substitute. His sacrifice satisfied, appeased the very wrath of God that justly should have been poured out on all sin, poured out on all humanity, but it's not because Jesus took our place. Jesus took 
our place. Be amazed, church, by God's grace. Listen, family, Jesus Christ, the righteous, was the substitute for all sinners. Raise your hand if you ever sinned. Keep your hand up, ready? All of us deserve the cross, but because of Jesus, we can put our hands down and say, he took our place. Praise God for that. That is beautiful. One verse puts it great. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become what? The very righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. I'm not holy, but God is. Hey, I'm not perfect, but God is. And the Bible says because what Jesus has done on your behalf, on our behalf, that you've been made complete, righteous, the very righteousness of God of God. See, right now, this is when most pastors, they'll sing a song, you don't want me to do that. This is when they, they, they quote an old hymn and you don't want me to do that either. But I can tell you about this rap song that just captures this. I can share with you the lyrics of this title, this, this song called The Cross by Shailene that captures what is taking place, that actually captures what Jesus did for us. And I want you to listen. Y'all listening? Willingly, he's under the curse, speaking of Jesus. Willingly, he's under the curse to be treated as if the son was the worst scum of the earth. This, is this, this scene is the craziest. Jesus being treated as if he is the shadiest atheist. How is the Messiah in the fiery pit as if he was the, quick, the, the wicked liar with twisted desires? The one who's sinless and just, punished as if he was promiscuous, with mischievous, with mischievous lust. The source of all godly pleasure, tormented as if he was a foul investor or child molester. How could he be bruised as if he was the goody two-shoes who didn't think he needed the good news? He is perfect in love and wisdom, but he's suffering as if he constructed the corrupt justice system. We should mourn at the backdrop. Jesus is torn as if he's on the corner with crack lock with porn on his laptop. That's what he did for you. Every sin you've ever committed, he took it upon himself. Every sin. That's what he did. That's what that means, that exchange. When we sin, we have the perfect advocate before the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, the anointed one, the long-awaited one, who pleads your case. Amen, church. Amen, church. Think about that. Because of Jesus, we're found not guilty. Because of Jesus, the penalty of sin has been paid. Because of Jesus, the wrath of God is behind us and the love of God covers us. Because of Jesus, my past is behind me. Because of Jesus, today I'm living in new mercies. Because of Jesus, our future is bright. Our hope is secure. Our lives are now his. Our enemies are defeated. Victory is ours. The war is over. The Holy Spirit helps us. And one day our faith will become sight. I'm sorry. Sorry I'm excited, but I'm not sorry because I know who Jesus is. Jesus is our advocate. Jesus paid the price. He paid the price. He paid the price. His grace is still amazing. Because Jesus is our advocate, because Jesus is the propitiation for our sins, when I sin, when you sin, we can be convicted, but never condemned. For there is no can you just shake off condemnation? Can you just do that real quick? Ooh, can you just do You may convict me, but you can't condemn me because I have an advocate, I have an attorney. Huh? You can convict me, but you can't condemn me because he's already paid the price for it. 
Now listen, some of us can take that and go, well, that means I can just do anything. No, no, boo-boo, hold up. Hold up, wait a minute, right? What we read together in 1 John, the writer says, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But the writer knows that we're not going to be perfect. So he says, but if you sin, meaning that holiness should be natural, sin should be not the norm anymore. This isn't license, but it's just telling us that when we mess up, thank God that someone took our mess. Praise God for that. Praise Jesus for that. But it gets better. Not only do we have Jesus Christ when we sin, we actually have been given more. We talked about the promised spirit, but I'm talking about even more than that. Are y'all ready to find out what this more is? If you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, open up to the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five, we're gonna begin in verse 25. We're gonna see this more. We have an advocate. Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. He's given us his spirit, but I believe there's more. I believe there's more. Galatians chapter five beginning with verse 25. Word of God says this. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's keep reading into chapter six. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him with a spirit of gentleness. Keep watching yourself, lest you too be tempted bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of who? Christ. Christ. In chapter 5, we read the command to keep in step with the Spirit since we want to live by the Spirit, right? And this is following the fruit of the Spirit. If you were watching with if you've been tracking with us, this is just after he listed the fruit of the Spirit. And I told you I was going to quiz you this week, so this is this week. Are you ready? Fruit of the Spirit, ready? Go. Love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There you go. Give yourselves a big hand. That's good. That's good. That's good. Y'all did all right, though. Y'all did all right. No trophies. No trophies. All right. So then what comes next is the command to walk by the Spirit with more commands instructing us how we're supposed to live in relationships. Meaning this, you can't say that you're a believer and you're walking by the Spirit of God, but you don't know how to love people through relationships. The Bible says simply, how can you love God who you haven't seen and hate the brother who you do see? Meaning that you can tell who's walking in the fruit of the Spirit by how they actually conduct themselves, not just towards God, but towards other people. Right? So he instructs us on that. And then... In chapter 6, Paul says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, we have to stop right there because the placement, the timing of this statement is huge. Paul lists the fruit of the Spirit, commands us to live by the Spirit, instructs us how we're supposed to treat each other, then says, but if you are sinning, he stops, he switches. Why is that? Paul knows that there will be times that the Galatian church will not walk by the Spirit. Paul knows that they will transgress. Paul knows that they're going to sin. They won't treat each other the way they have been instructed to. You see, Paul doesn't just list the fruit of the Spirit, command them to live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, and just ends the chapter. Can you imagine if it just stopped right there? Here's the fruit of the Spirit. Walk by it, do it, done. Hey, Paul, what happens if I don't do it, though? And he gives them what it is. 
Why? The Galatians needed to know what to do when they didn't do what they were supposed to do. And so do we. And so do we. Now, earlier I said that we have been given Jesus. We've been given the promised spirit. But I said that God has actually given us a lot more. And I want to see if you can read what it is. Ready? Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. We read this. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him with the spirit of gentleness. Did you hear it? Did you hear it? What do we have when we sin? We have Jesus as our advocate. He's a propitiation for our sins. You have the Holy Spirit. We have to get, but it's something else that we have that sometimes I take for granted. You have a spiritual family. You have the very body of Christ. You have a church. You have a church. Come on. Let, let me tell you why this is, why, why we don't get too hype around this. Because one, the church isn't perfect. That's true. When we have church hurt, but, but two, and I said this at Bible study, some of us, you're bobblehead Christians. You know what a bobblehead is? All head, little body. Who's the head of the church? Jesus, right? So you go, all I need is Jesus, but I don't need his body. And you, you live like this. <laughs> you're not connected to the body of Christ, but you say you're connected to the head of Christ, but I'm sorry, he's not a dismembered body. I'm not saying you're not a Christian if you're not connected to the church, but I am saying your life will be so much more better lived as a Christian, walking in the fruit of the Spirit, if you are connected to his body. And some of you, you just bobblehead Christians. Like, you know Jesus, like, boom, you, your head's huge. You're connected to, the, to, to Christ. You are a believer, but your body work is, is little and it's minimal. And Jesus is trying to show you tonight that the beautiful thing that he's given us is his body. Listen, Jesus' body was broken for our sins so that his body, the church, will build us up when we sin. Jesus bore our sins and shame on the cross so that his body, the church, shouldn't shame others when they are caught in their sin. But some of us, what's true of Jesus hasn't been true of the church, and that's why you don't like church. Can we be honest? Some of you, you've heard this and you said it. Man, I love Jesus, but his bride, though? But the church, do I really have to go to church though? <laughs> we felt these things, right? We get this. We have Jesus Christ as our advocate, but we also have Jesus's body, the church. Everyone say the church. Well, how do I know this? Paul tells them what to do if someone is caught in any transgression. I love that he qualifies it. He says any transgression, meaning this, there's no sins that are on certain levels. And as a church, we need to stop treating other sins as if they're more vicious than other sins. Oh, I'm going to tell the truth, baby girl. I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to talk to him. It's so easy. It's so easy to say those people who act like that, who does that. And God says, hold up a mirror to you. Because before the foot of the cross, all of y'all are those people. All of us are least of these. And so the Bible actually says if your brother or sister caught in any transgression qualifies that, meaning you have no excuse not to approach your brother and sister in gentleness, in kindness. We should all approach. Why? He qualifies it. To restore them in the spirit of gentleness. Spirit of what? Gentleness. Doesn't that sound like one of the fruit of the spirit? Let's put two and two together. The fruit of the Spirit, love, y'all know it? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. 
self-control. You heard that gentleness in there? So wait, so one way we are supposed to live out the fruit of the Spirit, one way we're supposed to live out what the Spirit is working in us, the fruit he's producing in our lives, is to offer the same grace when we find our brothers and sisters struggling in sin. Correct. Correct. Paul says that if anyone sins, you who are spiritual, you who are mature, you who are living by and walking by the Spirit, you who the fruit of the Spirit is evident in your life, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit is clearly seen, you should restore your brother, your sister, in a spirit of what? Gentleness. I'll give you something really profound. Ready? Be gentle. <laughs> I know you're right, but are you gentle when you're right? The Bible says when you confront, when you see your brother or sister caught in transgression, what's going to be better for you is if you gentle. Spirit of gentleness. Be gentle with them. Why? Galatians 6.2, we read it together. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of who? Christ. Well, what is the law of Christ? Galatians 5.14, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Can we say that again? You shall Love your neighbor as yourself. Let's say it again and smile when you say love. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I'm telling you, love actually works. Love actually works. It's okay to be that annoying Christian. This is what I want the world to say about you. When you go to work, be like, man, I disagree with this person, but they do love well, though. People can't deny when you love them. You know why I believe this? It's, not, it's just my holy imagination. You're not going to find this in Scripture, but, but, but stay with me. I believe that God has given us all a sensor on the inside to detect love because he wants us to detect him. And the Bible says that God is So people know when you're loving them or when you're trying to BS them or sell them. Oh, people know. But man, when you love somebody... It's interesting how the arguments change. It's interesting that your political affiliation doesn't like rob you of joy. It's interesting what you're concerned about and when you're not concerned about. When you simply just walk into the room, you know the most powerful person in the room? The person who just walk into the room and love anybody who's in the room. No matter what they look like, no matter what they have, no matter what they do. And listen, and this is the cool thing about love. Love actually gives sacrificially and expects nothing in return. Man, you can't stop. That person is powerful. No matter where you try to poke him or poke her, they're just like, hey, I love you. Man, don't love me, fight me. Some of you, you do that to your spouse. Oh, you know who you are. I just want, him, I just want to see his passion. And then if he smacks you, you get all upset. There's the passion right there, right? So here, here we go. It's interesting that some of us, I, I get that. I'm a passionate dude. But listen, God actually says you can have all these things, but if you don't have love, you have nothing. So he says the whole law, the whole prophets rest on this law. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love them. Love them. Well, Tim, how am I supposed to do that? John 15, 12 through 13, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his what? For his friends. First John 3, 16, hereby we perceive the love of God because God laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Do y'all see the formula? 
Jesus loved us, laid his life down for us. We supposed to love people by laying down our what? Our lives for people. And here's the thing. People can't knock you down if you already laid down your life for them. Let me say that again, because some of you, you're not with me. People can't knock you down if you've already laid down your life for them. It's hard to beat someone who's already on their knees for you. Man, I'm telling you, love actually works. Simply put, Paul, watch this. Oh, Paul, want, I love Jesus. I, I, I'm sorry, but I love him. All right, here we go. Paul wants the church to treat our brothers and sisters caught in sin the same way Jesus treated us when he caught us in our sin. Let me say that again. Paul wants the church to treat our brothers and sisters caught in sin the same way Jesus treated us when he caught us in our sin. What did Jesus do with you when he caught you? So what do we do when we catch others? Really? You just go, oh, Father, forgive them. I doubt, especially if they did the sin that you caught them in, affected you personally. It's hard. We can't do it on our own strength. That's why we need the fruit, the work of the Spirit. Your love is not enough, and that's good news because his love never runs out. Your love has a point. Well, Tim, I just reached my point. I just, nah, man, you know how it is. But I, just, I just reached this point, man. I have a limit. That's true. Your love always has a limit. Thank God God told you not to love people with your love. He said love people with his. Limitless. Limitless. Endless. Praise God for his love. When Jesus caught us, what did he do to restore us? He laid down his life for us. Jesus was on the cross because he was a friend of sinners. Because he was a friend of sinners. Church, if we're gonna be who God wants us to be, we must seek to be a community that loves and forgives the way Jesus loves and forgives. Hear me, family, what better place to get caught than by a community of people who are once lost and by God's grace are now found. I don't want sinners afraid of church. I want to attract all to church. I want you to get caught here. You don't have to agree with everything I said, but I want you walking away saying, man, you know what? Those people, they crazy, but they love well. I might come back. might come back. What if the church, hear me family, what if the church was designed for all of us not to wear masks and to hide our sin, but to come as we are, humbly confess our sins to God and others, and find healing and restoration? What if that was his purpose? What would it look like if people actually came to church, watch me, it's a play on words, but I really mean it. What if people actually came to church and felt like they touched the very body of Jesus? We're called the body of Christ. Imagine what our world could look like if people came and when they touched you, they felt like they touched God. When they touched us, they felt like they experienced his love. When they heard the way we talk to one another, they say, man, it's a grace that I've never experienced before. 
The Bible says, by this will all men know that you are my disciples, the love that you have one for another. Church, can we love each other in such a way that the world doesn't run from us, but they run to us because we're gonna point them to him? Can we live in that way? Can we love in that way? Can we serve in that way? Can we be gracious in that way? So to the believer that's in this room, to the born again Christian, you who are spiritual, I have a word for you, come out of hiding. You have a family here that loves you, that wants to serve you, and wants to see you restored. Why hide your sin if you, really, if you already know that Jesus paid for it? Why hide your sin if you know you have an advocate before the Father? Why hide your sin if you know you have a propitiation, the sacrifice has been paid, that the wrath of God, you don't have to be afraid of God. Hey, but to the unbeliever in the room, I'm not gonna assume everyone is a Christian or even believes in Jesus. To the unbeliever in the room, I have a word for you. You come out of hiding as well. You come out of hiding as well. Why? You have a God who's pursuing you right now. Here's the great thing about the God we serve. You don't have to believe in him for him to be real. I'm telling you, he is real right now and he's pursuing you right now. That's why you're here. I promise you, you'll be like, nah, man, I'm just here because I got invited. No, I promise you there's a God in heaven who knows you by name, who formed you in your mother's womb, and that you are not an accident, and he has a plan for your life, and he's created you on purpose to live for his glory, and you can hate him right now. You might have nothing to do with him. And he said, and look how funny this is. <laughs> I got you in front of a preacher on Saturday night. <laughs> he is not intimidated by your pain. He's not intimidated if you even hate him. He says, come all, all. He wants you because he designed you. He sent his son to die on the cross for every sin you currently find yourself in. Put your faith and trust in him for salvation. You know what happened? He'll save you. He'll save you. I like to call the, the band up, prayer partners come up. You've heard it said before, but if we confess our sins, he's faithful and what? Just. To forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, Tim, I've done this before and that didn't work. I still messed up. Did you hear what, I, what I've been preaching? If you sin, when you sin, you have an advocate. If and when we sin, we, 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 Jesus has paid the price. Like, this isn't licensed to sin. This isn't just saying like, okay, you can just go do whatever you want. No, 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 no. But I am telling you this. When you fail, that's not the end of the story. You can be made new. So to the believer, which is, this is really interesting. It's interesting, I was thinking about this earlier, Pastor Jeff. It's interesting that as believers, we believe the gospel's for unbelievers, but we gotta remind ourselves we need the gospel just as much as anybody else. That the gospel encourages us. The gospel reminds us of the Father's love for us and what he did to show us, to demonstrate that. So believer, this time is just for you. This isn't for your unsaved friend who wants to come to Jesus. No, we as believers should come to Jesus every day and confess, confess where we fall short, knowing that Jesus has paid it all. 
But if there's someone here and you don't know Christ, I'm telling you, tonight is your night. You're not here by accident. He loves you and he's done everything for you to receive salvation. All you have to do is put your faith and trust in him.